everyone. My name is Jack, and you're listening to the Dev90X podcast. Today, it is day three. And to be honest, yesterday was Sunday. I recorded pretty late in the day, <laughs> and now it's Monday morning. So I don't really have much to update about my project and building my app. But hot damn, the clock is ticking, and I'm getting sweaty. <laughs> so instead of talking about what I'm learning specifically on my app, because I did talk about that yesterday in day two um, and getting stuck on import and node modules and what the heck is a bundler and oh my God, that's just so much to learn. Today, I want to actually talk about learning uh, and my approach to learning. So I, I actually draw a lot of my, my strategy and inspiration um, on how to on how to learn complex new things from my experience learning Japanese. So as a bit of a background on me, I spent a lot of a lot of my early life learning Japanese. Uh, it was just kind of like a right place, right time sort of thing, <laughs> or wrong place, wrong time, depending on how you want to look at it. But I went to a primary school that had a Japanese teacher. And it was a very rare thing that a primary school would have a Japanese program in Australia. Uh, but I, mine did. And so I started learning Japanese from grade five uh, in primary school. I absolutely loved it at the time. It just seemed like the coolest thing, like this, you know, foreign language. Foreign languages are not really like commonly spoken in the town where I grew up, in Townsville. So uh, I had no real exposure to anything except for English. Uh, no media, no movies, um, and I was quite young. So it was just, it was just, just this crazy thing, to seeing all these symbols and then learning how to read them. And I had just the best teacher and he really inspired me to, to continue learning Japanese in high school. So that's what I did. I, I continued learning Japanese in high school. And then eventually I had the opportunity to go to Japan on like a school trip and it was like the best experience of my life. And then I came back wanting to really actually learn <laughs> Japanese um, and go back and live in Japan. When I finally got serious about learning Japanese is when um, it happened when I was in university. And I realized that all of, all of the work that I'd done in primary school and high school and even in university, all of these school curriculums and school programs hadn't actually yielded results. I couldn't really actually speak Japanese or I couldn't really actually read a newspaper or um, watch a movie in Japanese and understand the plot line. Like I'd spent years and years in classrooms learning Japanese, but I never actually learned the damn language. And I saw, so I knew that something had to change. And so at the time I was like, all right, what do I have to do? Because I really do want to learn Japanese. So I started researching and I found a blog called All Japanese All the Time. And the author really inspired me. His name is Katsumoto. Well, that's his alias, I guess. Um, and he learned Japanese in 18 months from scratch to fluency. And then moved to Japan. And then there was like some videos of him online on YouTube speaking fluent Japanese. And I was, I was just like, oh my God, <laughs> this guy. Um, and yeah, I mean, his, his opinions and methods on, on learning were completely novel to me. Um, and from a Western person learning Japanese, it is one of the hardest languages that a Westerner can learn. It's like up there with Arabic and um, a couple of other different ones that 
like Korean, I think is in that, in that bracket as well. Um, it's, it's really hard to learn. It's just so different. You know, you got all the symbols, you got all the kanji, um, you've got multiple different al uh, alphabets and, <laughs> and just the culture, you know, the like polite language and, and like all these different things are just so foreign. And so it's just very, anyway, point is it's, it's not an easy language to learn. It's difficult. It's complex. It takes a long time. And I found that the best approach to learning was to, to do it all the time, um, to really immerse in, in the input and to have as much input going in, into my eyes, into my ears, into my brain as possible. And of course, the easiest way to get massive, massive amounts of input is to go to Japan. And so when I did finally go to Japan as a university exchange, I, I, did, I learned the most. Um, I mean, that goes without saying. But prior to that, I still, when I changed my method of learning, I learned a heck load. I really, really up-leveled my learning. And then when I went to Japan, I was able to become proficient in Japanese after six months rather than maybe a year. So my favorite analogy to this is that um, learning is like boiling water. And that in order to really understand something, you have to take the water and you have to boil it. <laughs> so the water in this analogy is like in the kettle and that represents what you don't know, you don't understand. And then as you heat it up, it gets to a point where something clicks and you fully understand it and then it turns into steam and it, it's gone. And so the goal is to boil all the water and turn all the water into steam and by that point, you know all of the material, you understand all of it, it's all clicked and you're proficient at it. So in order to, the most efficient way to boil water, especially when you've got a lot of it to boil, is to keep it at a high temperature. That's why I like this analogy so much because it's all about uh, keeping the water really, really hot all the time and not allowing the temperature to, to drop down too much because it's really inspiring and it's really fun and exciting when that water turns into steam. But getting the water to the point of boiling takes a lot of energy. It's a lot of work and it's not all that exciting. And so you really don't want it's you know, it's kind of like when the water got, gets cold, it's kind of like you fell off the, off the bandwagon, so to speak, like you've fallen off the horse and you've dropped it and you're discouraged and you, you're just, you're tired of it and you don't want to, you know, you let the, you let the water go cold and now it's going to take a lot of energy to heat that water back up before you start, before things start clicking again, and before that water gets transformed into steam. <laughs> so I really, I wanted to share that analogy because I just love that analogy, and that's that's how I'm approaching learning how to become a developer. Is is drawing inspiration from my experience learning Japanese, and and it's all about immersion. It's all about input. It's all about keeping that water hot as much of the time. And so it's habits, it's building a new environment for myself um, and getting as much input as I can in all different forms from all different places. Next, I wanted to talk about the learning pipeline. So with, with coding, I found this is especially true with software development and engineering, is that there's a, a real lot of unknowns when you start out. And it's very confusing. Like, 
because it always starts out, you don't know what you don't know, right? And you've got this goal, you've got this endpoint in mind. All right, I want to get to here. And in order to get to here, I need to know certain things. And I need to be proficient at certain things. And, um, and then I need to use my proficiencies and then write and then produce the, 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 the content that produces the output. But you don't know when you don't know. You don't know where to start. And I, f I found this so true, you know, like, do I learn JavaScript? Do I learn, do I need to know CSS? Is that important? Do I need to know HTML? Um, what about Swift? What about uh, Dart, you know? What about, what, what, what even is React? Like, is that a language? Is that, a, what, what's a library? What's the difference between a library and a framework? Um, is that important? Is, is that relevant? It's just all, of the, all these questions, you don't know what you don't know. And even as I'm saying that, I'm, I'm actually past that point because that's the point where you know what you don't know. You're aware of what there is to know, but you don't know it. And then the next point is that you're aware of what's relevant and what isn't. So it's like, all right, I, I kind of have a basic understanding of all these different things. And I know that, you know, uh, I either need to learn one of Vue, Angular, or React, but not all of them. I can just pick one, learn that one, but I don't need to learn all of them. But I still also need to learn, you know, uh, one of Webpack or Parcel or whatever. And also I still need to learn, you know, like you're aware of what is relevant and what isn't. Then the next step is you've actually learned what you need to learn or what you need to know. And after that, you've practiced it and you're good at it. You're good at what you need to be good at and you're able to, you're, you're proficient and you're effective. So that's where I'm going and I'm not at that final step with any of my knowledge yet, but I would say that I've got a few things up to level four where I've learned what I need to know and now I'm practicing it. And I'm, for example, HTML, CSS and JavaScript, I've kind of dabbled in that for a, for a while so I've, I've, always, I've always had an awareness of what, what, what there is and what there is to learn. And I'm, I'm super excited to, to get to number five, but there is that whole process. There's this whole landscape of, of question marks. It's like a minesweeper game. And your goal is to, it's like to finish the game, you have to not click on the mine because clicking on the mine is like learning a thing that you didn't need to learn that's completely irrelevant. And then clicking on a not mine is like learning a thing that is relevant. And so you take the hints of what is relevant and you learn other relevant things. And your goal is to like both know where all the mines are. So there's like question marks that now they're not question marks and learn all the things that you need to learn that are relevant. And every, obviously depending on what you're doing, depending on your project or depending on your goal, that minesweeper game is going to look different for you. Like it's not going to be the same for everyone. And I think that's the, that it, knowing that is so key because it seems like to be a developer, you have to know everything. Like if you watch on YouTube, um, Fireship, this guy, his channel's name is Fireship. He makes videos on literally everything there is to do with software engineering development. And there's like no stone left unturned with this guy. <laughs> it seems a little bit unfocused, although it kind of is focused on web development. Um, you can easily think that you need to know all of those things, but maybe actually the thing, all you need to know is 
where the mines are and where the gems are and then spend your time appropriately. So that's the learning pipeline. That's like going from don't know what I don't know to good at what I need to be good at. Then I've, I've really thought a lot about this because I, like I like to strategize. And the next thing I wanted to talk about is my, my learning effectiveness hierarchy. So what I deem to be the highest value things or uh, methods of learning versus the lowest value methods of learning. But still, they're all valuable. It's just, you know, like the lowest value thing is that you just do nothing. <laughs> um, and then the highest value thing is, all right, let's go through it. So the highest value thing that I've found is getting through a stuck point on a project that I'm, that I'm working on, a project that's meaningful to me. And at the moment, I only have one. Uh, Last year, I tried another one. Uh, I was trying to build a calculator because that was meaningful to me at the time. And I got stuck on it and I actually gave up. But I, I did get through a couple of stuck points. And I found that those getting through those stuck points is where the real learning happens. It's where the real strong understanding happens. Because there's this whole like neurotransmitter thing that happens where you've got pain and frustration and it hurts and it's painful and then you solve it and you get like such a rush from that solution it's literally such a pleasurable experience when you finally crack it when you finally figure something out it, it just it, that's the dopamine like that's where the reinforcement happens that's where the strong learning happens where you're not and you're not going to forget those things like you're, you'll remember them for a long time. So next under that is like tinkering and taking stabs in the dark to see if things work. So it's like the process of getting to that point where you make a breakthrough is the next most valuable thing. It's like tinkering. It's like, all right, I don't think this is going to work, but let's try it anyway. And all right, cool. Yep, didn't work. Uh, I was right. <laughs> but then you know what doesn't work and that makes you faster at finding what does work the next time. And I think that's really important because... Like somebody who's a, a proficient and effective developer, you know, there's this joke of like 10x developers. Um, and I'm sure that some people literally are like 10x developers compared to the average developer. But then like even the average developer compared to an absolute beginner is like 100 times more effective, you know? Like the the learning arc or the, the, the effectiveness gains from beginner to beginner to a proficient developer is just crazy. And so the, all these little things, they, they definitely have, they definitely make a big difference. And tinkering is such a major thing that takes you, you know, from a beginner, like, just like to proficient so much faster. Even when, it, even when your tinkering is failing, like just doesn't work. Um, under tinkering is just writing code that works with assistance from either documentation or like, from somebody else's code on um, Stack Overflow or uh, you know GitHub or whatever, like just stealing code also kind of counts as long as it works, because then you've already effectively identified which code you need and which code will work, and you've read the code and you understand that this is probably what you need, and then you're going to steal it and just copy and paste it in. That still is a really good way of learning because a it doesn't always work, and sometimes you have to fix it, and sometimes you have to try lots of different things. And B, when it does work, then you've learned that this is the right thing for what I'm trying to do. Under that is reading and trying to understand other people's code. 
and I, I, this is one of my favorite things that I think a lot of people don't do, is just trying to inject these things into my day, these times into my day where I'm just reading code. Like, like I'll be sitting on the toilet, right? And I'll, I'll open up um, a project on my phone and just read through the code and, and try to understand what's going on. Uh, and I use an app called Solo Learn for this at the moment because it's kind of like a social sharing app for sharing little little like project snippets. And most of the time, it's just dumb little things like you know someone made like a I don't know like a snake game or whatever in in the browser. But just reading that really helps to understand how other people are solving problems and how other people write code, and then maybe getting an awareness of what's bad, like what's poorly poorly formatted, or what like. Just yeah, just seeing and, and just reading from it and experiencing having input from all of these different sources really gives you a like a good awareness. And I actually put that above the next one, which is coding along with a video tutorial. So coding along with a video tutorial is probably like the go-to beginner method of learning how to code. Um, but there's like so many things that are way more effective at learning above that one. And I even put reading, other, reading and trying to understand other people's code above that because reading is like a very active thing. You're trying to understand this code that you've never seen before. And whereas coding along, it's just, it's just like copy-paste almost. It's just like, here it is. It works. Just write it in and it'll work for you too. <laughs> you don't have to think too much. So that's why I think reading is more effective than coding along with a tutorial. Having said that, coding along with a tutorial is still really effective because it gives you an awareness of the ways to do things and often with a commentary alongside like we do it this way because this is best practice blah 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 um, under that is passively watching coding tutorials so you're not coding you're not actually coding along you're just passively kind of watching it and this just doesn't really require you to know or understand anything or to follow along you can just kind of zone out but this is what I do at the moment before bed because I found that I don't want to be working on hard problems when I'm about to go to sleep. It just keeps me up and sleep is so important. It's a marathon, it's not a sprint. And then finally, the last thing is watching videos, reading blogs, and just general understanding of tools and techniques that are not task specific. So this is just like just finding random stones and turning them over and seeing what's on the, on the underside, just randomly. I think that you have to do this because you need to be aware of what's out there, what's going on. And even though you may be already on the right track, you still, if you want to do this long term, you still have to, you just have to have a good approach to learning in general. And this is one of those things that I think everyone, I mean, everyone should just have this habit of just general, just general understanding, general knowledge, general industry knowledge. Um, so reading blogs, watching videos, just always trying to learn what's going on, learn what's on the horizon. Um, you know, like WebAssembly. Like I watched a video about WebAssembly last night and I didn't know what WebAssembly was. I kind of knew like assembly, yeah, I know what assembly language is, but what's WebAssembly? What's the relevance? And it kind of blew my mind. I was like, oh, wow. It's like, it's, it's potentially going to compete with JavaScript and that's a big deal. Because WebAssembly compiles code down to a, like, assembly that runs in the, in the browser, which means that you can do crazy things and just convert other languages into WebAssembly that'll run in the browser. And it's not 
even written in JavaScript, but it's now it's like running in the browser. Anyway, stuff like that. Like that's just a good example of what I mean. Next thing I want to talk about is my learning schedule or scheduling my learning. What I have found, and I'm going to learn a lot more about this in the coming months, is that late at night is not a good time to be wrestling with stuck points. <laughs> Before bed is a time to be kind of winding down and allowing myself to relax and to be switching my brain off. And I was watching movies and TV shows to wind down before. I was thinking of reading books instead, but I don't have any relevant coding books yet. Uh, if any of you listening out there could like recommend me a coding book, head to dev90x.com, join into the Telegram group, and then send me, <laughs> please send me a recommendation for some good books uh, on web development that I could potentially read at night. Because um, then maybe I can read before bed. And I love reading before bed. It's like the best way to wind down. But what I have been doing is just watching code along videos because they're really boring. <laughs> they're so boring and they really switch my brain off. But at the same time, I'm injecting, I'm injecting that input into my mind. And I think that's really important. Um, the next best, uh, sorry, the best time to tackle the hard problems is first thing in the morning. And then doing easy coding stuff in the afternoon when I'm starting to get tired seems to be best um, for the afternoon. So that's my schedule for learning. As for actual resources, my situation is probably pretty different to most people. I really lean on audio material a lot because I'm in Bali, I'm out and about a lot of the times, I'm on the road a lot, I'm on my scooter a lot, and that is dead time that is really easy to convert into valuable time using audio. And so my biggest thing is actually podcasts. And when I was working in the startup um, called Resourceful for the last eight months, I was listening to a lot of audiobooks because there's so many great audiobooks on, you know, startup culture, startup environment, tech, you know, platform, MVP stuff. And I was listening to a lot of those because I was, I was product manager. Um, but there's not, it doesn't seem like there's very many audiobooks for just learning how to code. Uh, I know there's a few out there, but I haven't really listened to any. There's not, none that seem to be very highly rated outside of like soft skills and like career development books. And so if anyone has any good audiobooks on just learning syntax and those really deep techie things, I would also love to hear it. Head into the Telegram group and let me know. So podcasts. There's podcasts, there's YouTube, there's audiobooks, there's online courses, there's blogs, there's websites, there's mobile apps, there's chat groups, and there's people all the different sources. I'm trying to use all of them. I'm really trying to use every different source to learn. My favorite YouTube channels at the moment, I actually only have one. I only have one favorite YouTube channel. It's called Fireship. And this guy just, he's, I think it's my favorite because he's, so, he's just an inspiration. This guy is just so damn good. <laughs> I also like Tech Lead. I really love watching him code. He's just insane. Um, and I guess Travesy Media is just a staple because this guy has just done like 
crash courses and tutorials on everything. Uh, but I find Travesty Media, uh, I, it's weird, like not, not him specifically because it's more like the content of doing a crash course, but like coding along videos, I find just really boring a lot of the time. They're just not very challenging and they don't like stop and prompt you to like challenge yourself prior to teaching you what the thing is that you're about to learn. Uh, but they are a staple in learning. So I guess Tra Travesty Media has this, I forget what um, the guy's name is, sorry about that. But yeah, he's got this niche down. Fireship has really great, just horizontal tech videos that just cover the entire landscape of, of like web technologies and app technologies and languages and things like that. Uh, so yeah, I'm sure if you're listening to this, you probably know about all these things. And then YouTube also is my second search engine. So I go to you, I first I go to Google and then I go to YouTube if I can't find a really good resource on Google. Uh, and sometimes I just do both anyway, just to see what's out there. Uh, as for online courses, I've got like three Udemy courses that I've <laughs> just started. I find, I don't know, these ones haven't been very interesting. Uh, I, I guess it's just kind of like a giant coding along tutorial. Um, I'm not up to the project parts of these courses, so I think that's where it gets a little bit more interesting because I started one of West, West Boss's course, JS30, and it's literally just like cool little projects, like micro projects. They do one every day for 30 days. I got to like day 14, and then I've kind of um, stopped that as I've pivoted back to working on my app. But I found this is really great because you have the opportunity to see what you're building and then try to build it first yourself super challenging you get stuck but it's not hard like these are pretty simple things and so you get that huge dopamine hit when you like solve the problem yourself then you go and watch Wes's tutorial and you find a better way to do it and and then he teaches you like best practices and yeah I, I just I think that is probably the best way to learn and that's why I haven't really liked Udemy that much uh, there's the Harvard CS50 course for computer science definitely the best beginner course on computer science and I did that first and so good. I recommend it for, for everyone who's getting in, involved in this. Then there's YouTube crash courses, hours and hours long videos that I don't know how anyone has the time to watch these whole things. Like you'll have that tab open for a month <laughs> and it just, it'll bug you because you can never close that tab until you finish the course. So I've got this bit of aversion to crash courses. I don't know. They're just such a, I, I prefer like little chunks, little chunks of content that are ultra targeted to solving a specific thing or answering a specific question. Whereas the crash course is, yeah, you don't know if it's going to be really good quality, but it's going to be a pretty good overview, I guess. Um, so I feel like I always should be doing more of these crash courses. But again, I, I just have this aversion to them. And then there's websites like Codecademy. And I did Code Academy, didn't really like it. I just found it was just, it wasn't challenging. It was pretty boring. They set up all the IDE for me. I felt like, I felt like this is a website for like primary school kids who are learning how to code. Weirdly enough, um, it just, it's just so vanilla and so easy. And they do take you through like step by, it's like they hold your hand way too much. 
That's the problem with Codecademy. It just holds your hand way too much. And you go through this whole you know, project, quote unquote, where you build like a website, but they really hold your hand every little step of the way. And I just didn't like that. I like to be challenged. I like to be prompted to figure it out myself first. And that's what Harvard did with the CS50 course. They really challenge you with the assignments. And they actually don't, as far as I'm, as far as I'm aware, they don't give you the solutions, but you have to still get to the solution. Uh, so you have to do a lot of your own research to figure it out. I really love that. I think that's just teaching you some real life developer skills. Then there's mobile apps. We've got Solo Learn, which I don't actually use for the learning. I just use that to go on and read code from other people's projects that they share. Decoder is one that I'm just starting with, getting used to using a mobile IDE. Does that even, is, does anyone do that? Does anyone actually legitimately use this app? Because <laughs> I was also trying to use it just to find other projects that have been shared on the platform, like in Solo Learn. Um, and to fiddle around with code on my phone. And then Anki flashcards. I've been a big fan of Anki ever since I, I've learned Japanese and been learning languages. And there's shared decks online that I'm checking out and I'm just dabbling in this. And I will report if any of these shared decks are valuable in future episodes because I think Anki is a great resource for just quickly jamming knowledge and jamming the basics so that you've got those basics down pat and you can you can just rattle them off so easily so that's anki uh blogs haven't really found a lot of blogs we've got dev2 that one comes up in my feed a lot other than that um css tricks i guess I, i'm aware of a few different ones but you know i haven't really read too many blogs haven't really got into reddit haven't really been on Quora. Um, I know there's some good communities, but yeah, haven't really got into them. Chat groups, I haven't really got into. And people, I've got a few people in my network that I can ping questions to, but I'm also, you know, I'm, I, I'm aware that <laughs> it's very easy to like ask too many questions, especially beginner questions, when you should be able to find the answers from Google. Sometimes it's just nice to hear it from a real person. To hear like, yes, yes, I am a real person and I do this thing that you're asking me about. <laughs> or, yeah, we do that at my work. Or, yeah, I know, yeah, Google said that that is a standard and, yeah, I can confirm I'm a real person. I can confirm that is a standard. <laughs> it's some, I don't know what it is. Like Just hearing it from a real person, is just, it just makes learning so much better. Um, so I'm trying to expand my network of people that I can <laughs> ask questions. And that's why you should check out uh, dev90x.com and join in the Telegram group so I can ask you questions. <laughs> and I kind of skipped over this before, but podcasts, that's my main thing. A whole bunch of different podcasts. So I've kind of dabbled in most of them now, I think. There's JS Party, there's Syntax, Developer T. Vanilla JavaScript podcast and self-taught or not are the ones that I've dabbled in. Out of all of these, um, developer T. So first of all, I in I use Google Podcasts because I've got Android, and I list, I I hit that button to go oldest first, and I start listening to the podcasts from the very beginning, 
because I like to, I don't know, I, I like to know what was, I don't know why I do this. It just seems to me like that's the better way to listen to podcasts. <laughs> I'm not sure if it is, but that's the way I, I do it. And so I'm not sure on all the content, but I have listened to Developer T and it seems like he's talking a lot more about soft skills and kind of more motivational stuff to keep you motivated um, and help you prevent burnout. The Vanilla JavaScript podcast is good. Uh, the guy's name is Chris Ferdinandi and he has a lot of strong opinions. And it's at times it can feel like a little bit abrasive, like, whoa, that's super strong opinion. But it is good to listen to to strong opinions because I mean they come from a place of like you know deep frustration with something and it's good to be aware of what that deep frustration is because I might encounter that deep frustration myself in the future and so now I'm aware of it <laughs> um, self-taught or not is a great one uh, I forget the, the name of the guys it's two guys one self-taught one's not <laughs> and um, yeah, it's like a commentary that covers a lot of different things, like developer life skills, but also specific techie things. But so far, my favorite is syntax. This is with Wes Boss and Scott Talinsky. And I, it's my favorite because they're both really talented, full stack developers. I've also done a bit of Wes Boss's um, content, his courses, and... They talk a lot about the, the really, yeah, it's called syntax. They talk a lot about the syntax. They talk a lot about the code. And, and that's just so far has been the best supplementary audio material for actu like learning actual code and just, yeah, just becoming, expanding the scope of my awareness on syntax. So that's been my favorite so far. Other than that, I also did spend a lot of time listening to content on machine learning, AI, and computer vision. And there's one podcast that if you're in this space and you're interested, Machine Learning Guide, hands down the best one. Just it's like a it's like an audio course on machine learning. It's so good. It's so good. Um, definitely check that one out if you're in the space of <clears throat> machine learning and learning about that. Um, and then also computer vision in production. That's my niche little thing. I'm, I'm the niche computer vision app guy. And so that one was super helpful for listening to interviews of other companies that are running computer vision models in production. So that is everything. That is my full snapshot of learning materials, learning opinions, strategy. Yeah, that's... That's all of it. And I, I will share more about the specific materials that are helping me along the way because I really want this podcast to be valuable for people in a similar position in the future. And so, um, yeah, I, I will maybe do another episode on learning materials sometime soon. But that's it for now. Thank you for listening. This is the Dev90X podcast. If you want to, once again, I'm just going to keep saying this. If you want to go to dev90x.com, click that button and join in the Telegram group. That's where I'm building the chat, this community. It's free for the first 100 people. So get in quick. It's going to be high quality. Thanks for listening. I'm Jack. I'll catch you on the next one.